Welcome to the Maniverse Podcast with your host, Tom Traplin. This is session number 11. Hey everybody, on today's episode I talk with Peter Senegra. He's one of two owners of CardAdvantage.ca. We get into the whole experience of what running a successful online magic retail operation looks like from start to finish. I've been trying to get one of these guys on the show for a while, but the scheduling has been pretty tricky. But we got him. I felt their story of how they got started could really help show the way to other entrepreneurs who are trying to get into the game, so to speak. We break down what it takes to make banks selling cards online, which if you're listening, should be right up your alley. So let's jump in. Yeah, my name is uh, Prem Sinegra. I actually go by Peter. Um, I have been running a magic business for about five years now, almost six years. And it's been it's been a lot of fun so far. But that's it. <laughs> okay, so then, how did you start? Well, actually, it's funny. I've been selling magic cards since I was about 13 years old. I was like, when eBay first came out, I set up an account with my mom's credit card. She let, she helped me out, actually. It was pretty funny. And I had all these extra cards, and I was like, oh, let's start selling them on eBay. So I was one of, actually one of the first Magic single sellers on eBay. But uh, I unfortunately stopped doing that and didn't carry over that huge feedback. But um, over the years, I played. I stopped playing. I stopped playing in high school. After high school, I became – I went into um, – I actually went straight into work, full-time work. And during that time – I met a couple of players at my workplace that played Magic, and I ended up selling them some cards from collections I had purchased. And then it just kept going. It was a big snowball effect. It was great. Okay. So yeah. how did you get into the Magic business five years ago? Like, What did that look like? What did you initially so, like, start with? Five years ago, I initially started with like a $5,000 collection. What happened was I was buying collections uh, for fun, and I was reselling them on eBay again. I just, I, for some reason, I love to sell things. So when it came down to it, magic was just easy to sell and something I knew really well. Mm-hmm. So I started with eBay. I started selling a couple cards here and there. But this is when, like, cards were really low in value. This is when Zendikar was still in standard. Um, Baneslayer was like 50 bucks. I came across some really lucky collections. I bought them. Uh, you really like at the dealer rate back then, I actually offered them quite more than the dealer rate. And it was still about, 40% of actual value and some guys just needed to pay rent and liquidate some collections and I just got really lucky like these collections would co- contain $400 cards which were like 25 bucks at the time and they just really grew in value over the next couple of years Wow! through like the boom period of magic which was a couple of years ago okay yeah so you've been uh, selling online on eBay and then you moved to a website no, so what happened was I I actually had a couple binders of cards. I had a bunch of cards, and I'm like, you know what? Let, let's try playing a tournament. So I went to my first tournament after years, and I could I didn't even know sideboard rules. It was it was absolutely terrible. I built Jund. I had literally every staple times eight, and then every foil staple times four. So wow. you can imagine the collection I was I was holding in my hands, and I was mm-hmm. like, how do I get rid of this thing? So I sold majority of the foils on eBay. And then the staples I just kept so I could play some decks. 
And what ended up happening was I came across a store in Pickering. I really can't mention the name just because we did have That's a fair. fallout. Like, like we'd not fall out, but like I no longer work with them. So, um, um, basically I approached the store in Pickering. It was, uh, a, a comic book store. He didn't have much magic and I made the offer of consignment and it just really grew from there. I, I developed the business I ran tournaments. I started the tournament uh, scene in in that area, and I grew the customer base really quickly because of what I had available to customers. Mm-hmm. I would say like consignment is a great way to build into something if you can work with the store owners. We we worked together for probably four years, so it was a it was a really good thing to happen. Like I I really appreciate what happened there and and how I was able to build things. Hmm. That's a good idea. Do you offer consignment now? Oh, of course. Yeah, like Cardivan still consigns. Like we still have stores that carry our products. So we have our inventory online and then our inventory in stores. And then we're constantly picking up more stores that need inventory and need magic expertise and um, um, people who have sales experience. So like Steve and I, for example, um, when we merged, it was a big deal that we had consignment stores available to us, and luckily we did. Very cool. Very cool. So after the consignment, where did you move from? So the the four years of consignment was pretty much my, my building blocks. Like the customers I built there was really my, my big part of the business. And then Steve was doing the same thing, actually. It was really funny. At the same time, he was consigning at another store. He had a full-time job, and when we had merged – we merged because we wanted to develop a website and that took a lot of negotiating because the funny thing mm-hmm. is him and I previous or prior to that decision were so against websites. It was hilarious. Like we Why? just never wanted to do a website. Well, the, the whole thing was we were like, Oh, it's so competitive. Mm-hmm. We have to really drop the prices of our cards. We like we won't be able to charge $20 for an $18 card. We were getting a little greedy with it and we understood that. But then we realized it was like, wait a second. Whenever we do an event, there's eight vendors. And when there's eight vendors, it's like, oh, okay, we're not selling as many cards as we used to. It's just not as lucrative or as fun. Like our customers, they come up to us, they see our prices, they they try to be as loyal as possible. But when someone's doing 15% off beside you, which Steve would do, it would be hard to keep everything going. So I just looked at Steve and said, we need to, we need to put our businesses together. <laughs> so the vendor competition became too stiff at a tournament? Yeah, like you can't expect – like the thing that's happening in the States and in Canada, and this has been happening for some time now, because Magic is getting so popular, whenever there's a small event, there's nine vendors to fill that small event. So you're always going to be able to fill vendor slots. The problem with that is that that doesn't account for the floor dealers, which is another like mm-hmm. five, six people in the room of a hundred. So, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. It's okay. Five or six people in a, in a hundred. So, like you're not only trying to pick up their business, but you've got floor dealers taking business, and then you've got eight vendors with the exact same inventory trying to sell at the exact same price. It really breaks things down to. Am I going to actually make money or am I going to take a loss today? Mm-hmm. And like who really is going to come from Toronto to Pickering to buy Magic Cards or from Toronto to Mississauga to buy Magic Cards? Or who's going to contact Steve, for example, on his off time to pick up Magic Cards? It's just not realistic. 
we looked at things. We needed an outlet. We said to ourselves, um, let's, let's go digital because that's the best way we can cater to our customers. They can see our inventory and, and, and deal with us in a quick manner. All right. So why did you decide to merge? Why didn't you just do it yourself? Well, th- th- and that was the thing. Like Doing this by yourself is an extreme amount of work. Building a website by yourself is an even more extreme amount of work. Um, you take your inventory, you look at it, and you realize, wait a second, if I could double, triple this, we're in a better spot. And then Steve is like, Steve is a lot like me. We're both very ambitious people. We're both very happy. We both love our customers. So I just, it was an easy decision. I just looked at him and said, listen, like we can either keep fighting each other, not fighting with each other. We never Mm. did fight. We're always really, really close. Um, We can always keep uh, vending beside each other or working against each other. Or if I build a website, you're going to build a website. I just know it. Why don't we just do this together? And then instead of competing against each other, we work together and we build something really strong with the brand that was developed. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. What was the negotiation process like? Or was it-, it was just literally one phone call. It was like, hey, Steve, guess what? I have an idea. <laughs> it wasn't like, you know, um, Steve, we really need to sit down and figure this out. It was like, I think we really need to go digital. <laughs> I don't think we can do this anymore. No, that's good. He found a good partner then. Yeah, it was, it's like I'll always tell people, never go into business with friends or family. It is always very risky. Mm-hmm. But when you can find someone you know you can build a relationship with, build a friendship with, uh, gets like, and know the same product, be in the same industry, it, it builds a very strong bond. So we've been able to really, really work well together. And um, he's brought so many good ideas to the table. And we've both been like just 24-7, Magic the Gathering, CardAdvantage.ca, just going crazy with it. That's great. Okay, yeah, so it's, it's a- you're... You've just decided to merge. Everything's going great. How did you develop the site? We we went to Crystal Commerce because they are the probably best e-commerce solution for Magic the Gathering. They have the database set up. Customer service is fantastic, by the way. Um, so I've heard. Yeah, they're they're fantastic. Like I heard horror stories going in, and we were like really prepared to to be fighting for our lives and to pay like exorbitant costs. But they were like just fantastic. They they really just made my day. Like they're great people. Um, was it so the website development was 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 a, a larger process we worked with very essential people like Glenn McElwain, Jason Manuel these are two people who we keep really close um, anyone else who has really helped us with development has given us really good criticism um, and really good just comments advice like there's been so many people I can't name them all it would take us forever mm-hmm. but the website was developed in accordance to the brand colors so the brand colors are red and purple um, and we just said to ourselves, let's make it really clean, really crisp, and that's what we did. We just worked with Crystal Commerce, and they did exactly what, what we asked. Nice. And the banners, et cetera, that's all like Glenn McElwain and Jason Manuel. These guys are fantastic artists. They just create something so quickly, and it's just so nice. Cool. So once the website was up and running, where'd you go from there? Um, Literally still stuck in my basement, sorting cards. Like... <laughs> <laughs> No, nothing really changes at that point. It just makes you more work. Um, nothing like we we developed a website. Web, websites developed. Now we're just looking at doing grand prix and and large tournaments and like more local tournaments and marketing. But like in reality, 
it's it's freed up a lot of my time, but put more time into having to sort cards and process magic cards and like literally you really just don't go anywhere except for just sorting cards day in day out and that's why you need a business partner or someone who can really balance that lifestyle because you can't just go marketing and then sort cards you're you're looking at way too many man hours Mm -hmm. so we really have to divide the roles so is it still just you two uh currently yeah it's still just us two we have a couple people here who help us out um we still have like our marketing guys which is jason and glenn but then we we just really just focus on um just him and i doing what we can for now but it's turning into okay we're gonna start needing people very shortly yeah that sounds like you're growing pretty fast (laughs) yeah it's been really quick i would definitely be looking for card sorters if that's your um your main occupation at the moment well that's it exactly that's actually what I, i hire like like not not even higher. It's just like I I sort cards day in day out, and then somebody may come by and help me out for a day. So that's that's usually quite helpful. But um, yeah, it, it may turn into a full time thing shortly. We'll see. We'll see how things go. <laughs> okay. So where are you today, and you know where do you want to be in like the next year? Well, today we are at a good place. We're like we're we're still at our our baby infant stage. We're still at our our, our base stage. We wanna we wanna grow. Um, we're still at a stage where I can look at one wall and know it's covered in magic cards when I want this entire like thousand square feet covered in magic cards. Um, I think in the future what we want to do is just have a website that really just caters to Canadian customers really well, caters to Americans, caters to everybody, and they can look at like good prices and we can just have consistent business. Like I don't want to have to worry about uh, inventory acquisition. It seems like that's the hardest part right now, but. Um, I want to be able to just say we have a business. It's 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 viable. It's supporting itself, and we can support our customer base in the very same way. We can keep uh, customers coming at really good prices. Like yeah, randomly, I throw packs in people's packages, and that feedback has been fantastic. So mm-hmm. we want to keep doing things like that. Okay, so how do you find customers right now? Well, that's 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 the most interesting part, and that's where we've had to learn quite a bit. Sorry, I'm just readjusting my mic. We had to learn quite a bit. We had to learn, you know, like Glenn has probably been the most pivotal in that area where he's given us the most advice. Um, you have to go into Google. You have to spend money. You have to spend money to market, and that's the key. We pick up customers at small events, but we're picking up customers off um, a lot of social media, Instagram. Uh, Twitter, um, and we we pick them off um, Google, which is a big like big uh, part of the business in regards to picking up people all over Canada. Um, mm-hmm. That's been that's been our primary marketing resource. Like we don't do we don't do uh, paper, we don't do tangibles, we just do online uh, business stuff. And it's been working out well. Yeah, so far it's good. Like. It's not. It's not like we're getting flooded with orders. It's. It's the fact is we're getting orders from North BC and Nova Scotia from people Steve or I have never met before, and hopefully they refer three other people in the process. Yeah, that's a pretty good sign. Yeah, it's it's nice. It's nice to see, especially when you get the, like the random order in Regina, Saskatchewan, and you're like, hmm, this is pretty good. Yeah, somebody <laughs> completely outside of your sphere of influence. They saw your site. And they're like, I'm going to buy from them. Exactly. And it's like, you know what? We have a little survey and the survey keeps saying the same things like the site looks great. Prices are decent. uh, People are happy. 
it's just fantastic. And then all the like we have a little referral question. I and that's the best advice I can give any dealer is like if you have a survey or access to surveys through Crystal Commerce, find out where your customers are coming from and cater to them. Know that they may just tell five other people in their area because of the experience they had with you. Mm-hmm. That's the big thing. I think like um I don't know, like I don't know what's going to happen in the next five years. Who knows what's going to happen with Magic? But it's just a very interesting prospect once we went online. We're meeting a lot of people we never met before. And we're, we're talking to a lot of people we've never talked to before. And we didn't realize like the scope of things and how great customers can be. Because we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the fantastic customers Steve or I had getting into this. Interesting. So you built up the customer base and they kind of came with you. Yeah, like it definitely did. We we've known Magic players for a very long time, and and like I built up a customer base in Durham. He built a customer base all over the city, Mississauga, Brampton, and you know those people are still with us, and they're still really supporting us. And without them, like the most essential part is your customer, not not the food you put on your plate. It is your customer, mm-hmm. because if your customer is not there, there is no food on your plate. <laughs> exactly. So we're your. Uh your fears confirmed when you went online? Is it actually as competitive as you thought it was? You know what? It's the, 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 the one boon, and it's been insane. The Canadian dollar uh, was not expected to drop. And the drop has been very interesting. Mm. It, it makes things less competitive, which is, is kind of weird because you're like, oh, well, our dollar's weak. How do we – well, yeah, sealed product is more expensive, and I can get into that in a second. Mm. Um, this is why we didn't go brick and mortar. Um, but realistically, Americans and Europeans are going to look at our websites in Canada and say, hey, they've got cards at 20% off our regular currency. Let's buy. And then Canadians are now like, well, I'm not going to buy American because I have to then spend 20 more percent. So we have Canadians right here with Canadian currency. <laughs> the only thing is we have to obviously charge tax, which is a large percentage, but it still doesn't outweigh that price discrepancy with the currency right now. Mm-hmm. That's very advantageous for you. It is. It's like, whoa, I just, I can't believe this just happened. Like <laughs> I shouldn't be smiling because it's really going to affect our economy. But at the same time, it's like, it is one of those things where you just never see happening. And it was so unexpected to happen this year or even last year. And now we're looking at it. It's like, well, you know, this, this could be a decent adventure for us. The only disadvantage is when we have to go to like uh, an American event, yeah. we'll have to spend American cash, which is going to be expensive. For sure. And there's not a lot of Canadian GPs to really uh, go visit, right? No, unfortunately not. And yeah. like we, we want to be a part of all of them, but we can't, for example, like Vancouver, that's, that's, uh, that's an expense that can't be incurred right now. So uh, we have to miss out on at least one of them. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think your ROI would have to be pretty high to be able to fly to Vancouver with a big yeah, stock. Absolutely. Like you got to take inventory, staff. You got to get a hotel, which is very expensive in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And then, luckily, both Steve and I have family in Vancouver, so it's like, hey, <laughs> we have a little asset there. But th- yep. that's just luck. If we didn't have that, then we'd be we'd be still spending an insane amount of money. Mm-hmm. So you want to? You mentioned the sealed product. Do you sell sealed product, or are you just singles only? No, actually, the only sealed product we, we have, we, we give away. So um, if I get a box in an event sold to me by a, uh, a customer, 
I, what I do is, is when a customer places an order, I literally just throw a pack in their order if it's underweight. So like um, mm. uh, our shipping methods are $1.80 for anywhere in Canada under 100 grams. As long as it stays under 100 grams, I can throw a pack in and then someone can get a, a free pack in the mail, which I think is, is kind of fun. It's like a little lottery. It's like Christmas. Um, but like sealed product, this, this is the big discrepancy is here we have an issue where – and, and things are changing right now. Like things are getting really mixed up. Hmm. But prior to our dollar dropping, boxes were really just not advantageous for a store to have. Like, for example, if you open a store tomorrow and say, I'm going to invest $5,000 in a Magic Sealed product, your profit margin is literally less than 5%. And you're like, mm-hmm. well, why am I doing this? For $5,000, I'm making nothing. For the amount of time you have to put in pay staff, pay your upkeep, pay your rent, pay yourself, you're like, well, uh, I could have done better with something else. Yeah, at the end of the day, it might be zero. Yeah, and, and yeah, you know what? In some cases, I know some people are even taking a loss on sealed product just so they have their customers coming in because now there's a store popping up left, right, and center. And this is what Wizards has to compete with. They have to, yeah, know their product is being sold, but their product is also being devalued by the amount it's being sold. So... They raised their prices recently, and the supplier level raised its prices recently. So I'm starting to find out dealers are starting to charge 135 plus tax on boxes. Hmm. From the 100 plus tax on boxes. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. I guess they have to really work on that balance well, and between how much their sealed product is worth versus how much their opened product can be worth and how much that's sold for. Exactly. Exactly. So as Canadians, we have to raise our prices. As Americans, they don't have to. And uh, if they don't raise their prices, we can't price reflect. Like it gets harder. So for example, Hmm. a store in, let's say, Napanee, Ontario goes by SCG. SCG's got market price values right now. Um, And they decide to inflate their price by a dollar. They're still charging. They're still getting their product at more than an American and they have to then sell at the same price as an American without any kind of uh, price increase. And most of them uh, try to keep tax included, which yeah. nets them an, uh, another 13% loss. So it's, um, it's very interesting. Like that's why brick and mortar has always been very, very scary. Way more overhead. You've got tons of overhead. You've got um, – you got to find a good location. You got to find a lot of, sorry, excuse me. You got to find food all over the place. You got to find, it's, it's all about location really when it comes to brick and mortar. And if you don't get a good one at a good price, um, you can really struggle and you don't want to, you don't want to lose your business over a, a, a rental payment. I've seen stores go to business. I've been in stores that are being liquidated and it's a very sad, sad thing. It sure is. Well, nothing's more depressing um, than having your dream kind of disappear. Well, and that's it. Like, you want to grow. You want to you live. You want to be able to say, our business has grown 20% this year, not stayed stable. Um, and that's why Steve and I had to make a move. Because if we didn't make a move, our business would have stayed stable. And that's not something I'm willing to do. And I know Steve's way too ambitious to let that happen to him as well. And if your business is staying stable for five years, and yeah, you know what? You're still making money, but you're not growing what happens when something big um, hits the market and tanks either magic product or the value of something, you could lose big. 
Mm. Are you afraid of that? I've talked to stores that uh, their main method is to diversify. So magic is a big part of their business, but not all of their business, because they're worried of the same kind of thing that something might happen and maybe, you know, fingers crossed, well, magic goes away or dies or something like that, right? Yeah, but like from, from your perspective, you've already spoken to, to numerous owners, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. How many of them have said, oh, I'm scared of magic, I'm scared of the magic bubble? How many of them have actually mentioned that? Several have mentioned it kind of as an offhand, not as like, a, oh, this is a legitimate thing that I'm concerned that maybe the next set will just destroy the magic ecosystem and the game will die. Not, not very likely, I think, at this point. But it has come up. Yeah. Because it's, it's, games sorry, have come and gone. Exactly. Exactly. But, like, you know, Dragon Ball Z went and is now back and it's, it's just going to go again. You've got Vanguard, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh. These games have actually come and gone, come and gone. Mm-hmm. But what's been consistent for the last 20 years is magic. And, you know, talking to a lot of owners I've spoken to and for the past let's say, four years prior to the 2014, I believe there was a bubble. I believe things were going to pop. I was so skeptical. I was so scared. And I made the bad decision to not buy power, Mm. which I regret to this day um, because I have now noticed there will not be a bubble. There will not be a pop. As much as you want to diversify, it is a good idea. I've tried that. Uh, I've tried diversifying into board games and and toys and collectibles and the one thing that doesn't work is margins like you're paying way too much for less margin than magic singles for example mm-hmm. and um you then have to really source your customers for, for board games and, and toys because there's again another huge amount of competition for that so that is why we have not diversified so for example if magic dies tomorrow we're just we're, <laughs> we're not going to do very well but <laughs> We, we are also in the, in the mindset where we know and we're very confident magic, I'm going to knock on wood real quick, is not going to go anywhere too quickly. Like it's, it's, it's going to be a very stable game. Like for example, the investment by Star City Games, Channel Fireball, I'm going to yeah, obviously name drop the big guys, mm-hmm. uh, face-to-face, us, and numerous other companies. Why would we not pick up the game after? If, say, Wizards had to get rid of it or Hasbro said, you need to cut Magic the Gathering, which is their most profitable um, IP, by the way. Like, it it is their stock. Um, If they were to drop it, SCG or Channel or even the smaller guys, how could we not band together and create the game again and hire just all the Wizard staff? Like, like, I just don't think this game's going to go anywhere. It can only get better. No, I I would agree. I mentioned it, but I would agree. I feel that magic is essentially a. It's at this point an institution. It, it it's just, is. It's, it, like, it's been around for so long. It's almost like chess. Chess will never die. It may no, and, it may ebb and flow and become popular and unpopular at certain times. But I think magic's kind of the same way in that it's going to maintain a certain level of popularity, and it's never going to really dip below that. No, I I I agree. Like we'll have we'll have points where from our 100 player days we'll go down to 20 player days like it's going to happen but yep. we're not going to completely die out and like with esports really booming and going to be a huge thing in our future magic only has room to grow let's talk about that for a second sure that i think that's a very interesting topic with the uh, things like league of legends pulling in a, like a 
an insane amount of people online just to watch oh, yeah. their international and their their very competitive tournaments. Wow. Magic's been around for 20 years. Why? What's cause, or what's uh, holding Magic back from achieving the same level of online success? What do you think? Well, like, the thing about Magic... So I watch... I have been doing an insane amount of research on esports, and uh, uh, I've been watching tons of streams, and I find it extremely entertaining. If you ever get a chance, look at a game called Evolve. It is a mm. brand new game. It is in beta. It is, it is a beautiful game. Uh, the streamers who are getting paid to play it or are playing it voluntarily are doing very well. They're getting tons of donations, etc. The I've one thing uh, Watsi is 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 missing a little bit is that aspect. Like their Moto client really needs to improve. It needs to almost mm-hmm. get into like and I as much as it'll make people cringe, it needs to get into like a Hearthstone aspect where anyone can just pick it up, play it, enjoy it, play it competitively if they want to. But with a nice user interface, a nice way to stream, like build it streamable, build it so people can actually put their videos online and people can watch and comment and commentate and get into chat. The other thing is magic as a spectator sport is very hard to watch. Like I am not a big magic player. I will tell you, I'm a very, I'm like the casual player. Um, Steve is the competitive player and that's what he really brings to the table. Um, I'm the EDH guy. <laughs> For those of you noobs, it's Commander. Um, uh, basically, when I look at a game like Magic versus Evolve, I can be entertained for hours by Evolve. Magic is very hard for me to be entertained by. And that's where things need to get changed. Like They, they need to add something to it online so people can say, here, here, I'm casting a spell, do a little colorful thing. Who knows, right? I liked your it's, Hearthstone it's, example. Yeah, it's like what, what, like Hearthstone is when you're opening a pack, it gets all flashy and fun. When you're watching a guy um, drop a big creature, it makes this huge yelling sound. Like this is a dream we've all had since watching Yu-Gi-Oh. We're all like, we want to see a big monster come to life. Like mm-hmm. every Magic player wants to see this stuff. And um, unfortunately, the UI is just like, I'm going to play my spells. I'm going to top my spells. I'm going to have very little... Um, fun, entertaining graphic happen, and then just go on to my next play. Yeah, no, Magic it's, Online is essentially the it, the real game in paper on a computer yeah. screen. There's nothing special. It's just a completely functional way of playing the game over the internet. Exactly. Which is like like you said. It's I think that's his major downside, along with all the problems they've been having implementing the client well implementing the client has been a big deal with with technology today and seeing what game developers are doing and seeing what software engineers are doing you can see the construction built into games and when you see something like moto happen and you're just like it's really discouraging the other thing is can you picture a new player coming into your store buying five packs learning about moto from one of the back uh, from one of the tokens or the adverts inside a pack, going on Moto, looking at the client, being like, "Do I play Shadows of Mordor or do I play Moto?" And it's like, "I'm going to play Shadows." <laughs> of course. Yeah. Or even a even the comparison to Hearthstone, right? Because it's yeah, in like know. a very similar sphere for a lot of people. A lot of Moto players who streamed now play Hearthstone. 
Well, and, and like ex- exactly, just... exactly. Every Moto player is playing Hearthstone. Like I know, I know great pl- players who have been to the Pro Tour, and all they're doing is playing Hearthstone. And I'm like, yeah, the game is is great. It's easy to pick up. It's fun to watch, but it's not magic. And no, that's not. where I fell out with Hearthstone. It's it's just not magic. Um, but. You go on streams, you watch a tournament, they have 200,000 viewers, they get as much as LOL or, or Dota, and you're like, this is, this is absolutely insane. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy, and I think, I think it really is just the, the fact that Hearthstone is much easier to watch. From a completely is, spectator yeah. point of view, you have, you have no idea what the game is, and you can still see the spells and the crazy explosions and things are happening and all everyone dies and then all oh, the player wins, right? Like it's very exciting. You'd have no idea it what's is. going on. Whereas trying to watch a game of magic, like you said, is very hard. If you have, if you don't even know what the cards are, yep. if you don't yep. know what the effects are, you're just going kind to of like, well, what are they doing? They're just moving some cards sideways and playing some stuff. Oh, the game's over. That was exciting. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. I think I played one moto game. I got owned in draft and I was like, <laughs> I think I raged pretty hard and I just like, <laughs> I, I, I deleted the account. And I uh, I deleted it from my computer, and I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started playing Hearthstone. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much how I felt for the last uh, last six months, I guess. Just not a fan of the Moto client, and I'll just let them fix it for the next two years before I try it again. Yeah, and, it's, and or hopefully, unfortunately. You know what's funny? Did you ever play the Microprose uh, Magic the Gathering game? Chandelier? Yeah, Chandelier? Mm-hmm. So I play Chandelier as well. Can you imagine if they built something like that for for current like uh, <laughs> like like today? That would be hilarious. Where I can just put like eighty moxes in my deck and just play a game. Like that would be uh, so fun. I, I just I, as a casual, I would love that. As a competitive player, they'd probably like lynch me right now. But it's all good. Well, that's. I think I've, I've talked to a lot of competitive players who've also played that game and find it again. It's it's not reflective of the game itself, but it is very amusing. And just the crazy exactly. absurdity that, and the terrible programming sometimes. Yeah, it was just it was hilarious. You just get but, some weird, you know, uh, weird scenarios where the computer will lightning bolt its own creature for no reason, and you just kind of yeah, you have to chuckle at that kind of naive programming back in the day. But like, look where Moto is, and and this is where we can compliment Magic. We can compliment them going from Microprose to Magic Encyclopedia to now Moto. And mm-hmm. and it's been a, a really good transition. The other thing is like the other comparison I can make to any player who had ever played Magic over Magic Encyclopedia online. Um, how much has the Moto client really changed since then? Versus like the graphic style, the card style, not much. Yeah, that's true. They have come a reasonable way. Yeah. To get where they are now, it's just I think it's a relative comparison to what other companies have been able to achieve in a shorter time frame. And most yes. people look at the Moto client and they're like, well, it's 2015 at this point and Moto itself hasn't changed that much from when they released it 10 years ago. Like it's still yeah, essentially like, the same. Like graphically it's a little different, but it's still the same stuff, same games. Nothing is really you can, upgraded. Well, no, it, it, exactly. It, it, it literally is like, I'm playing back in ba- Magic Encyclopedia days. I'm playing against my buddy who's like four doors down, and we're like, yeah, let's jump on Encyclopedia and play. It's like, 
moto is almost the same thing. And, and, and that was like when, when I was 16 years old, I'm 27 now, I'm almost 28 in like three days. And like, Happy I birthday. still remember that. <laughs> well, thank you, by the way. I don't <laughs> yeah. Oh, nostalgia. Um, well, the nostalgia is a big factor of the game and that's what brings a lot of players back. And if they were to see like duels of the planeswalkers from the store level, when I was in a store, um, I could see just how much work that game did for customers. Mm-hmm. That really brought in a lot of new people. Yep, exactly. And like they've kind of like, they've kind of slowly dropped the ball on Duels of the Planeswalkers, offering weaker promos. Mind you, dealers were taking advantage of promos. Mm, um, yeah, weaker promos, but like they aren't soliciting the game like they used to, and they're not improving the game like they used to. And I, I my conspiracy theory is. Watsy really wants to keep pushing paper magic because it is so profitable. Because their whole uh, mentality is we got to keep the brick and mortars happy. We got to keep them nice and safe because they do need to be safe. Um, they do have to pay overhead. Like I, unfortunately, right now, Steve or I, we because of the way our business is set up, we we don't have a Wizards Direct account. We cannot buy sealed product. We cannot sell sealed product, mm-hmm. um, which is a disadvantage to us. But with margins being the way they are now, it's not that big a disadvantage. And um, the other thing is, like, from a brick-and-mortar standpoint, we don't have to pay the overhead that they do. And we don't have to worry about staff and, and hoarding tons of sealed product just in case it goes up or something like that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just very interesting right now. Yeah. No, they, they, Wizards has a hard job, too, because without the stores... Like, everything else being the same, no stores pretty much kills the game. Exactly. Like, if nobody can go to play with their friends, it's somewhere. And it's just kind of kitchen table stuff. I think pretty much everything crashes. So they have to, they do have to maintain these places. They have to try and keep them profitable. And they have to give them a reason to keep selling magic. So the fact that they, they have to promote paper magic, I'm sure if they would, I'm sure they would love to just go online entirely. Because I imagine Moto probably makes them an insane amount of money. It, it probably does. I agree. I don't think they can, though. I don't think they can. I, they no, need to keep n- the focus on keeping brick-and-mortar stores alive. They need to keep um, new accounts coming in all the time. They need, they need people to look at their, their business uh, expertise and then open a brick-and-mortar and hope it's successful. They give a lot to dealers to make money. They give from the vaults. They give, they mm-hmm. give an opportunity um, for retailers to have a chance of making good money doing this, which is very important. If they gave us that op- like if they gave every online dealer and brick and mortar dealer, all the online dealers would just go to cost on sealed product and undercut everybody to infinity, and then no one yeah. would make any money. Yeah, it would not be good for anybody, generally speaking. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I think a uh, moral of the story, if you're listening, is support your local game store. Absolutely, like, if you and can. that's. I think one hundred percent. If you are a Magic player, go into your LGS, buy packs, buy boxes, buy singles, but just know that LGSs also have the opportunity to get guys like Steve and I to consign cards because not every LGS can afford to dump ten thousand dollars into a Magic collection nowadays. Mm-hmm. Whereas we do, and we are experts in that and that what's that's what's going to bring that one customer to your store open up an opportunity 
and allow that customer to keep coming back and to buy deck boxes and sleeves and product that the store makes their profit from and the consigner makes the profit off a couple singles that they sell. In my time at a brick-and-mortar store consigning, the deal was that the owner would make everything off the sealed product. I wouldn't touch it. I wouldn't get a percentage of it. I wouldn't get anything from it. And on some days, he would sell, actually on most days, uh, he would sell way more than I would in regards to deck boxes and sleeves. But I would bring the customers in. And it's very advantageous to work at a good contract with good consignment people because both of you can make a lot of money together. Yeah, no, definitely mutually beneficial. Exactly. Like the, in this industry, it's very, um, this industry is very closed. It's not an open industry. It's not like you can just walk into 10 stores and say, hey, I want to consign my cards. The, the 10 store owners are going to look at you and say, well, why can't we do this ourselves? Uh, have a nice day. Huh. Not many people look at the advent, advantage of outsourced marketing, which is unfortunate because that's, it's a big cost, but it, it actually can bring in you quite a bit of business. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned a contract when you did consignment. Without going super yeah. specific, did you like what are your typical terms? So like, like, when you do consignment, like what's the percentages? We, I have learned the extremely hard way, the, the morbidly hard way. Mm-hmm. You have to have a contract with the person you can sign with. Um, I noticed in the questions you had sent me previously, like uh, one of the questions, one of, what is one of the mistakes you made? Mm-hmm. And as a person who consigned, the biggest mistake I made was I did not make a contract in the initial consignment. Um, and that is probably the most important thing. You need to know your boundaries with the store owner. You, the store owner needs to know his boundaries or her boundaries with your product, with your cards, with your investment and your money. And, and like one of the big things is they need to understand the percentage. Their staff need to know they have to sell your product. Um, they can't steal your product, obviously, and they can't uh, trade cards um, in with other customers for their own cards and then move your own product cards in that store credit. It's really con- uh, it can be confusing and confusing. Yes, exactly. Yeah, definitely have to keep it separated. And uh, hmm. uh, I just thought of the song "Keep It Separated." Um, was it where was it going with that? Okay, yeah. So <laughs> the other thing is like, make sure you get paid out on time. You set a contract for your payment dates because like sometimes an owner can go months. Because you just don't ask for your money. And then when you do ask for your money, they say, well, I can't afford to give you everything right now. When you run into a situation like Mm -hmm. that, that is your hard-earned money. That is money you have paid out to get your cards. You need to get paid on time. And that's the biggest thing. Like, Make sure you have something that protects your inventory in case the store burns down, gets robbed. Um, There's a flood. It's all paper. It's very fragile. You need something in writing protecting you, knowing that the store owner will pay you out in case something happens. Good advice. I would like, and that's that's just learning from not doing it and making a mistake, and and knowing that I should have probably wrote a contract. I and we do now. We actually have people who can sign with us, and they have to sign contracts, and we have to outline the contracts. And then we can sign with other stores who have to uh, write a contract with us now. Do you have a standard contract? Yeah, we have a standard contract. Just a really cut and paste kind of contract. Um, If anyone ever needed to 
get a contract, they can always contact me. Um, but yeah, it's just a standard contract. It, it just outlines the avail, like the, the the amount of product that you are consigning or um, are putting into their store. Okay, yeah, you mentioned the morbid lesson. Are you alluding to the store earlier on that you had a falling out with? Well, yeah, kind of. Like the unfortunate thing is. When I had first signed up, I was I was young and naive. I didn't really understand. Like I thought I was gonna be doing this part time. I didn't realize it would be my full time thing. I was a debt collector up until I started selling magic, and it was a very depressing industry. I couldn't do it anymore. I pulled out and mm. I went into selling magic cards. But at the same time, I was studying. I was studying to going to investment banking, and um, I was doing a course while running magic events so most of my old school customers will remember me studying while i was running events it was actually really really funny um but the big thing there is don't run events for free show an owner how to run events but do not run events for free um don't assume you will get what you think you deserve for example when from the vault came out when you get a store to an advanced level, they get 20 from the vaults, now 30 from the vaults. Uh, before that, they only get 10. You do an insane amount of work to get them to advanced. For them to get to that level, you've probably put in a lot of man hours. And then when they say you can only have one from the vault for your showcase, when you really need four, it becomes an issue. And then you mm-hmm. run into small little hurdles like that, and you're like, well... Frankly, this just isn't worth my time. This isn't worth my effort. And things really degrade after that. That was the big mistake I made. And that's where it got really morbid for me. It was I, I got to a, a point where magic was just not fun. It wasn't fun running events. It wasn't fun catering to my customers just because I wasn't being supported at what I was doing. Hmm. So, yeah. like for example, you can, you can imagine when you run a pre-release, you're doing six rounds, five rounds sometimes. You're having a lot of fun with your customers. But if you're not paid for that time and you're there six hours and the someone count like the person you're consigning to counters with, well, if you don't run this event for free, you can't consign with me and you're making an income out of it, well you're like, Well, I'm kind of stuck. Yeah. And that's where things really got bad. And that's where I will always recommend contract, don't do anything for free. Don't think that if I do this for free today, they'll support me tomorrow because if you're doing something for free today, it's expected you're going to be doing it for free tomorrow. And that's what you don't need to do. Yeah. Once they, uh, once they get used to a certain standard, sometimes people come to expect that. expect that. Well, absolutely. Either that or like tragic. It is tragic. It's sad, but but you know, the truth of this industry is there aren't that many magic experts out there. And there aren't many magic experts with business expertise. And to have both is a very strong point. And you really need to, if you find someone who has both, you hold on to them and you keep them tight and you pay them well and you take care of them because they will make you a lot of money. Mm -hmm. You know, that was the other thing I was going to mention that when you do consign, it's, it is a good arrangement for both, both parties, but for the consigner, it's kind of, tough because you don't control the platform right it's not your store it's really they can hurt your business they can can do anything they want they can they can 
put your product in the back room. They yeah. can um, put you in a corner of some random spot or they can take care of you. And if they take care of you, they're making free money without having to invest thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars and your expertise. And if they utilize that information, they can make a lot of money, especially when I can walk into a store and say, this is going to be a hot product. You should buy more of it. They buy more of it. They sell more of it for free. And that's free advice. Mm -hmm. And um, that's where you can really gain as a magic owner or as a store owner and say, you know, I have good people around me with good advice because you're not going to know everything. And um, like the, the most crucial aspect of Steve and I's business is that we rely on our customers. We rely on good people who surround us who constantly give us good information. And, and they are the most amazing people in our eyes because without them, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be running a business online or even in store. Yeah. So the, the trick is really to find the right people in the right stores to do business with. Yeah, the ones exactly. who will and take your advice and treat you right, not right, and sell your product. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. People who will who will respect you. I think the biggest yeah. word there is respect. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's shift gears just a little bit. Sure, sounds good. You're one of the more interesting store owners that I've talked to because you don't have a physical store; you have a, an online store. <laughs> How do you manage your inventory? You're talking tons and tons of these cards and you, you sort for days what's your method for sorting for stocking for making sure you can find cards um i guess we're, we're more of an enigma in that too because we we don't really follow the rules with like your technical i should be sitting here all day sorting cards um the big thing was we so i ha when i was in the store i had already sorted my cards there so a lot of that came back came over so that was already done mm -hmm. inventory is easy like you literally label a box with a set you put that set in its in its box in color or alphabetical whatever is easiest for you and you pull your cards out of that box and then if you're in a and if you're in a brick and mortar store you have a display binder with four copies of each card in it so if that binder ever gets stolen you're not losing everything um the other thing is like the sorting aspect. You know, I can tell you brick and mortar stores like for example 401 games and like face to face and and probably the other like really big stores in the city, the brick and mortars have guys full-time sorting. They have one or two staff sorting constantly. Um luckily we don't run into that because we sorted everything in one big batch and an online store is kind of nice because you don't have to keep sorting. It comes in but it's already really in a system where you don't have to display it you just throw it in a box and it's pretty it's 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 just ready to go mm -hmm. um the other thing is to like you can also get get people who can help you either you pay them you pay them in store credit you pay them and you get all your sorting done in one big swing and then you just never have to worry about it again or you, you get people in on a voluntary, not in a voluntary basis, a part-time basis to keep sorting for you. Gotcha. That's really it. Like Inventory management's easy when you have an online store. When it's, when it's a brick and mortar, it's, it's a real big pain because you've got to constantly worry about what's sold. You have to manually check every binder and then put cards into it, find the cards that need to go into that ba uh, binder, sort them. Like It is a big pain. Yeah, I would suppose a system like the one face-to-face -face has where they're selling both online and in-person is probably a, 
a lot more difficult for them because they have to sort almost twice, sometimes three times. Yeah. First one it comes in, then you know when it goes out for the online store, and then when it goes out for the in-person store sales, retail sales, they have to keep checking their stock, like you said, and keep resorting and restocking, and yeah, it'd be a lot of work. Well, it, it, absolutely. It's 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 probably one of the most unanticipated things I um, I understood when I first got into the business. It was like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to set up some binders and not worry about it. Well, when you've sold, let's say, $100 out of that binder, you then need to find out what just sold so you can restock it. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of work because you, you cannot expect your customer to fill out a piece of paper to do your inventory for you. I I think that is unfair to the customer. It takes up a lot of time and no other retail aspect does it. You need to be a, a, on a good handle for what sells in your store so you can restock it. And that's where like the beauty of a website comes in. It's like, okay, you know what? I can I can just check my inventory and just up it or down it. Um, for face-to-face, they, yeah, they have to monitor in-store and out-store. They need to, they need to like, do so much work just to keep their inventory solid. Mm-hmm. I guess it's a problem you wouldn't really mind having, though, because that means you're you're moving a lot, right? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Like when you're running into issues where it's like, oh my god, I got to run around and uh, for the next eight hours doing inventory. Well, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, it's better that than sitting on your butt for zero for the entire length of time when nothing is sold. Yeah, you could be sitting on a stool eating a bucket chicken, or you could be selling magic cards and making money. (laughs) Yeah, one of the two. Yeah. Okay, so do you? As a website, I'm assuming you buy cards. You also, Always, yeah. yeah. Is that a common thing? Like, is that difficult for you to compete against the other websites that are also buying cards? No, not really. You know, I think I think, and it's funny because I've I've spoken to the other stores. Um, we all we all talk, and, and we can all agree. Like, the pie is big, and if we're taking a little piece each, we're still going to have a large portion of the pie left. Like we can compete with each other all we want, but there are plenty of players and there are plenty of cards to buy and we will not be able to buy all of them. So we, we just generally work together on that. And you know what, if one card is really expensive or one card's being purchased at a really high rate with one store, we, we understand that we can respect it and then we can up our prices as well and, and, and not compete, but work with, Hmm. Interesting. The more the more you get the word compete into your mind, the more you are going to understand that everyone is against you. Whereas it should be the opposite. Everyone should be working together. Everyone should be communicating at the least to say, you know what, hey, I'm buying this card. We should all buy this card. Or, you know, like just have the understanding that your pride is something that should be behind you. Be humble work with other dealers, work with everyone in the room, get to know everybody because it, it's just a really good networking system. Yeah, cooperate as much as you can. Absolutely. You, don't, you never want to ruin a relationship over something small with someone you can do business with for the next 10 years and learn from and work with. And, you know, even guys who want to get into the business. And I just talked to a guy who's working with two other guys and they, they're trying to go into a, a triple partnership and create their own business. And I said, you know what? Do it. Get on it. I will help you as much as I can. And I will give you as much expertise as I can. And Steve will do the same thing. And um, we want to support that because more stores equals more players. 
But at the same time, if I ever need a card, I can always call them and say, hey, do you have this card? Can you get it for me? Mm-hmm. I'll throw you some trade credit with my store or something. Yeah, everyone wins. Absolutely. That's how the aspect, that's how this industry should be. We should all just be in it together because the more together, the more we all make. But there's always hurdles to that. There's always people who are just not going to be in on that. Nope. I uh, 100% agree. Yeah. I also think that's one of the more interesting things about the magic community or the magic business is that when a store opens up, it doesn't just take players from the existing base. It actually makes new players. Exactly. Like almost every single one that opens can grow the total for everybody. No, you, and, that, and that's the beauty. That's why I've always told people when so, you're looking at a brick and mortar store, try and do it to your best ability to cater to your customers, get more customers in, get younger players in, get everybody going. Because you're going to create another 50 to 100 customers uh, a year. And that's going to facilitate maybe a store two blocks down. But they're going to also create 50 to 100 uh, customers a year. So why compete against each other when you can work together? And then both of you make good money. Yeah, it's a very uh, synergistic business. Yeah, absolutely. It it can really, because it's so niche, it's not like um, Walmart sells magic singles. (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. Sell magic yeah. packs at a terrible price, but not magic singles. I haven't gotten into that oh, yet. Oh, no. Well, imagine. <laughs> that would be very scary. In their little magic <laughs> single counter. That would be, be a little weird. Hey, Let's hope that never happen. happens. You never know. Let's hope it never happens, because that would probably be pretty terrible for the business in general. Yeah. They'd just open a bazillion booster boxes and undercut everybody completely because they're Walmart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but... That, <laughs> Beauty of wizards, beauty of a niche business. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so uh, is there something that you struggle with now that you didn't struggle with before? Is there um, new difficulties where you are now? Uh, new difficulties would be like it's just it's it's not hard difficulties. Like before, di- the difficulties were hard. They were hard to deal with. I had no expertise. I had no. Like the the best advice I can ever give a new store owner, and this is going to sound very like I'm trying to avoid this question, but <laughs> uh, to be honest, every store owner needs to learn the hard way. If they get advice from another store, they may not take that advice to heart. They have to learn all the hard stuff in a very hard way to become a very good business. Because if you don't learn from the hard, you'll never learn from the good. And then you're never going to see the good. You're never going to know it's good. Um, and that's the best advice I can give anybody. Take it. Work with it. Learn from your mistakes. Keep going. Don't give up. It's very easy to give up. But do not. And just keep rolling with the punches. Because they come. They go. But never, never just listen to someone's advice. Mimic them and take it without at least respecting the fact that something bad could happen in the process. So like something I dealt with in the past was probably um, like inventory management, how much money I could spend, how much money I could budget. Now it's more so um, who are we vending with tomorrow? How many, uh, how many tournaments are coming up this month? How many Grand Prix's are happening? Uh, how do we source capital for five Grand Prix's? 
Uh, like that's the difficulty we're running into now as we grow. We're like, okay, where are the difficulties lying? Mm-hmm. It's just expanding. It's it's different. how much of a budget? Yeah, exactly. It's not the same as the grind at the beginning. It's difference in the kind, not in degree. Exactly. Like in the beginning, it was sourcing inventory. It was sourcing small collections. It was what do I pay this person? How much do I pay them? What rate is a good safe rate so they don't walk away laughing or spitting in my face? Um, Now it's more so, oh, God, I've got – I've got – my marketing budget, I've got my um, bill budget, I've got my write-off budget, this budget, that budget, whatever budget you can imagine. And then you also need to raise capital to go and do big events, which are very costly right now, and then find <laughs> banners and dice and play mats and T-shirts. And you're like, oh, I, I just didn't see these difficulties like five years ago. Good ones to have, though, right? That's Good ones to have. That's usually great, the- but- Usually the difference is that five years ago you're probably wishing you had these problems about how to find so. bu- how to find all these small details to facilitate your business. Yeah, I wonder if I had like gone back in in time and, and talked to myself five years ago, I would have probably had more hair on my head. But I've also <laughs> would have been like, "Hey, like you're going to be doing all this in five years." Well, yeah, I'd definitely be scratching my head at that point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess the only thing I would add to that is, like, I do like your. Uh, experience you know get those hard lessons and that's the way you learn just the only thing i would add is don't try not to do anything that could be potentially fatal you don't want to learn yeah the very hard way right so yeah, like if, ex- exactly like take a chance but just make sure it doesn't kill you but yeah be ready to take calculated risks so for example if someone comes to you and you're a new store and they have a, a binder full of power nine five years ago power nine was Let's say three thousand for a full set. Mm, yeah, I think yeah, I had I had quoted someone thirty five hundred for a full set of Beta Power Nine, Whoa. and the reason I didn't buy it because I didn't have the capital. Um, now I obviously have the capital, but a full set of Beta Power Nine would cost me a ton more. Um, mm-hmm. yep. Calculate your risks. Really treat your cash flow and capital respectfully. Do not get attached to your inventory. That is one big mistake you, many dealers will make. Everything is liquid. Everything has a price. Do not play the game yourself. Um, because the minute you do that is the minute you may not have a business in the next three years. Yeah, I've seen that before. It yeah, really, it really does times. help to be detached. Yes, yes. Find another hobby. Find it quickly. Uh, collect stamps. Do not collect magic cards. <laughs> 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 all right if you had to pick something what is it that makes card advantage su- successful um it's would, okay if you I say you I, <laughs> me of course no you know steve <laughs> and i like we we detach ourselves like uh, the most successful th- aspect of our business is our customer base we are very lucky we are very supportive of our customers but we are very lucky we have incredible um a loyal customers because without these people in our lives if we were to start this today and not have those people with us we would not be running a a business that is actually looking at growing um the most important thing is those people because they have kept this business growing when card advantage was before the merger 
it was customers, and even after the merger, it is still customers. They are just too pivotal and far too important to not give respect to. Fair point. But how did yeah. you get those customers? You know, it's just just being myself, just being customers. I'm sorry, not being a customer, being <laughs> myself. And I was like, well, I'm a, I'm a big customer. You're a customer. We'll, we'll be customers together. <laughs> um you know, I, and this is a, this is what I saw in Steve as well. We're like this, is where we're both very similar. Our customers come first, and um, like when I worked retail, I worked retail at Gap, I worked retail at Walmart. And when they put you in training pro, uh, training in those in those systems, I've been working since I was like twelve years old. Um, when they put you through training, they teach you the first most important thing is your customer, and they are never wrong. And and Steve understood that when he was a retail manager, and um, he he knew the customer is the most important thing in our lives, and. That is what I can relate to most. Um, like, uh, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought here. Um, That's okay. No. I, I, can you ask a question again just so I can get a refresher? It was basically what makes your business successful. So why is oh, card yeah, advantage so good? And customers. You said, customers. <laughs> customers are the best. That's where I was going with that. They, they are. They like – even if, if it wasn't the customers, it is, it is what we can provide. Like, I've always – given my customers respect when I knew that they were hard on cash when I knew they couldn't afford a card you still got to help them out you still have to be able to say okay you know what I'll, I'll shave a little percentage off for pay me in small payments um, it's not the best business to do that in because you never know what could happen mm. but you also have to respect we have a very expensive product a guy coming off the street who's 16 years old they're not going to find work like I would find work when I was 16 years old um, that's for sure to, yeah, like the economy is a huge factor, and you just got to be able to facilitate those people. You have to have a smile on your face. You gotta, you gotta treat them with respect. They're a human being. They could have just had a bad day. You know, if I've had customers chew me out for no reason, I've had customers like there's there's a classic. I can get this cheaper on SCG when they look mm-hmm. at your display case, and inside you have to rationalize: Is this worth me giving a deal, or is this worth me just saying, okay, well, you might have to go to SCG to get this get this card or go to another store to get this card and but you have to say it in a way where you're not like you know what go get it somewhere else i don't want your business because that person's going to go tell his family they're going to tell their friends and next thing you know you don't you're not picking up five other customers because of one bad uh, one good um transaction and i can tell you i have numerous times uh, if steve were here he'd probably say the same thing uh, numerous times had a customer walk away with zero sale. They didn't buy a thing. Mm. They may have bought some packs and left the store. But the next time I see them, they're with three friends. And they're like, look at this showcase. It's got everything in it. It's got all these cards we want. And they may not spend a cent, but their three friends end up spending $20 each. And you're like, you know what? This is fantastic. And then their three friends bring six more friends. And like sometimes it was random, but I'd, I'd drive out to a guy's house. He'd be having a barbecue. And he'd be like, hey, I'm having a barbecue. You want to come by? And then I'd take some cards. We'd play some games in the back, eat some food. But, like, you build relationships with really good people. And you can't discount that. You can't think that your customers will never be friends because I've made numerous friends out of this business. And I still have great friends that I talk to on a weekly basis because I met them through Magic and through them being a customer at my store. And uh, mm-hmm. I think I think customer service is, is your most, most important. Is it, your inventory is very important. You need to constantly attract people. So if you're spending money to have the hot card in your case, spend that money because 
that's going to bring in five people to buy your carts. Um, but you also need to have someone behind that counter who's going to respect that customer. Otherwise, that one bad transaction will will spell doom for your business ten years down the road. Now, bad referrals are way more costly than pleasing one customer. So, when, exactly. generally speaking, someone leaves unhappy, they tell many, many people about their shitty experience. Someone leaves pleased and excited about their business, then it's not quite as the effect isn't quite as uh, bad or isn't is quite as large. So yeah, you definitely want to make your customers happy when they leave, rather than angry with you. Yeah, well, exactly. Far more like, costly. Make, it is very costly. It is very. It's very upsetting when you when you hear about other stores that have a very bad practices. I'm sure we can name a few that everybody knows. And everybody but, knows the uh, one store that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, that, and that's one of the things that I I really want to kind of drive out of our community if we can. That stop. <laughs> you're in the wrong business if that's how you're going to operate a game store. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of businesses like that though, and the uh, stateside here, Europe, everywhere you go, you're going to run into it. Our community is a lot smaller, so we 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 see it more in regards to a few stores, but um, they also create customers, and as much as they may be bad, by losing. Mm-hmm a bubble of a store in a certain area will lose you 100 to 150 customers in that area long term. Yeah. Oh. Well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll try and avoid that. Yeah, absolutely. We want yeah. to create more stores. We want people to be successful. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so on that topic, if somebody came up to you and said, hey, I want to start my own thing, I really like what you're doing, what advice would you give them? How would you tell them to I start? I wouldn't give them any They'd have to pay me very a lot of money. <laughs> hey, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's funny because I I always used to give like crazy amounts of free advice and like the not many people will respect it. So mm. like the best advice I can give is is be able to take risks, be able to take ca- calculated risks, manage your cash flow, manage your capital. If you have two hundred thousand dollars in the bank, um, don't spend it all. Make sure you have a lot left over so you can buy stuff with it. Um, but at the same time, if you're going to be opening a brick-and-mortar store and you have really settled your mind into it, make it look nice. But don't go too crazy. You don't have to buy brand-new displays. You buy used product. Like You can buy used displays for a quarter of the price. Um, there's so much advice you can give. And that's really like just the, the – I think, yeah, it really just comes down to respect your customer – Manage your inventory, but manage your cash flow and capital uh, the most. When, know when to, when to liquidate cards so you can get more cash in the bank to pay your bills and buy more cards. That's about it. It's, really, it's a really easy industry to get into um, if you're, if you're going to do that. Yeah, learn your lessons and take them to heart and you'll be fine, I guess, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, learn from your mistakes. Don't mm-hmm. keep making the same ones, and don't, don't, don't take uncalculated risks. Like, it, it, don't buy power just because you want something super shiny. Buy a million lightning bolts. Like, just yeah. like they say, you want lightning bolts over a black lotus. <laughs> yeah, everyone wants lightning bolt. Not everybody wants the black lotus or can afford it. No, absolutely. I had a customer come to me, and this was like uh, last summer. They brought me, I think, a hundred lightning bolts, 
and I gave them a dollar a piece. Now they're like three bucks each. I buy. I, mm-hmm. I should, yeah. So a dollar a piece. They were two dollars at the time. So yeah. So he got he got a hundred dollars for lightning bolts, and he's just like, oh my god, I got to bring you more. I'm like, keep bringing them to me. I think <laughs> I bought over like three hundred lightning bolts over the summer, and I'm maybe down to like maybe less than thirty now. So you can imagine. It's yeah, a good turnover. That's very good. Do that every day of the week. Absolutely. You can, if you bring me a hundred lightning bolts today, I will be very happy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, not so much with uh, the bannings we just saw. Maybe lightning bolt isn't the best in modern right now. <laughs> eh, I'm sure it'll stick. Oh, maybe not as good, but I'm sure it'll stick around. Yeah. 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 All right. If a uh, little hypothetical here, if you had okay. to start over, you didn't have a business. And you were just getting started, and you wanted to get get into magic today. What would you do? Would you do anything differently from the process that you started with for card advantage? Um, it would be very hard for me to do it today uh, if I were in the same boat because, like, what really got me started was buying a really good collection for a thousand dollars. I would have probably today have to spend about seven to eight thousand to get something equivalent to what I had first purchased. Hmm. Um, and that's not easy to source like that's you're having to go to the bank and the bank doesn't really understand what a magic card corporation is no Um, they don't even insurance is like what are you guys are you guys selling sports cards it's very very frustrating Um, but I would it would be very hard to start this business today because of our Canadian dollar because of the way magic collections are how savvy magic players are um not that i was taking advantage but we didn't have as many resources five years ago as we do today in regards to speculation and price matching so it it would be very hard i would need to go to the bank get a very large loan and cross my fingers and hope (laughs) Hmm. like and like you know I'll, i'll give you a good example i was on college college street uh, over the weekend and college uh, college in Bathurst which was really a booming area I cannot tell you how many vacant stores I saw um, and I'm learning more and more I'm seeing more vacancies I'm seeing stores closing we just had news about Target but before Target was Benix, Bombay, Mex um, numerous stores closing shops Sony closing shops mm-hmm. It's it's showing us a new trend it's showing us that you know we cannot spend as much as we used to. Our generation is not going to have the same money our parents had. Mortgages are too high. We're in for a big struggle. And if I had known if that was happening five years ago, I would definitely not have gone into this business because a retail space, it's just not as effective. Like when you're seeing big stores closing shop, why are they closing shop? Where is your consumer going? Well, your consumer is going somewhere else. And that is what you need to capitalize on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a tough place out there today. And it, I expect the next twenty odd years to be pretty rough for most people. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think it's going to get very interesting. I can talk about the economy. For, I love the. I, I'm, I'm a bit. I love investments. I love the economy. Um, but I love learning about the economy. I should say I don't love the economy. Oh. Um, Maybe a little bit of both. A little bit of both, but like uh, in reality, I, I want more brick and mortar stores. I want s- stores booming. I want more money in in the government, like uh, in taxes being paid, so the government's happier, and then there's no job losses. But 
it's inevitable. Um, it's just harder. It's just hard. It's going to be harder. Uh, stores should really look at their capital. If they can't spend too much, buckle down. If they can, keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, um, that kind of a darker topic, I would, uh, I would argue that I think it's preferable. I would, I would encourage more people to become entrepreneurs and take their, uh, their future into their own hands. Because I feel it's Always. more risky to rely on a job that you rely on for everything that you have, this one source of income. Because yep. places, like you said, they're closing down, their employees are being fired, everyone's... It's pretty common to work at a place for 20 years and for the place to disappear, and then what do you do? Whereas, well, as an entrepreneur, exactly. you're more capable of uh, generating things on your own. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have that resource. You have to be able to find resources. You have to be able to mine resources, just like in a video game. You have to be able to keep going. Because, yeah, if you rely on a 30-year job and you get laid off, what are you going to do? You have, yeah. you have to be retrained. Yeah, at the very least, an entrepreneurial mindset. And the other thing is, entrepreneurs create jobs. That too. Um, when you talk to all the big guys and big investments and who have made millions of dollars and you, you listen to interviews and you understand that like entrepreneurs create jobs, they create good jobs. Um, the, the more you invest in your employees, the more they will give back, the more your business will grow. And that's one mistake I find this industry makes a lot is they underpay their customer, their employees. They don't give them benefits. They don't give them a long term, uh, strategy to be with your business. And it's just like any other business. Like most are doing contracts now, very few full-time positions available. Mm-hmm. But entrepreneurs are the guys who can do it. And I think the more magic grows, the more employers are going to be able to spend on their employees. And their employees will be able to grow faster with their business. And um, yeah, I hope that's so. a big part. Yeah, I think, I think everyone should, if they have that spark in them, become an entrepreneur. But it does take a spark it does take something that cannot not be taught yes it's definitely a something inherent for most people well i don't i don't have um i don't have a college or university degree i went to high school i graduated high school and i went right into uh collections i was a debt collector i went full time i did really well at it but i didn't get a post secondary and i've been able to create a business without a post-secondary. So never discount the fact that you may have that ability to do something without an education, without a piece of paper saying you can do it. Well, that's the difference, right? When you go to post-secondary, yeah. it's, you have a schooling, but I'm sure you have plenty of real-world education from doing, and, and that's, from doing something, right? That's the one thing. Like I've talked to... Uh, and a lot of my customers, when they were going through university and then graduated, were hoping to get that $100,000 paying job, but they unfortunately didn't. Are still, And some of them are still looking for work, yeah. and it's been four years. Um, they're also twenty dollars to $40,000 in debt, and that's one thing I really dodged was that debt. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that will kill your business, debt. Try not to go into debt with magic cards because they're very scary yeah, sure to will. go into debt with. Yeah, yeah. And on... The note beforehand, I think uh, Ford had it right. And, well, and to an extent, so does Toyota and all the car manufacturers. They knew that you had to pay your employees very well because they were also your customers. Yeah. And at the same time, like if 
if that was a more prevalent attitude in the economy at large, I think it would probably be doing a lot better. I, I think so too. I Rather think than so, the I, pressure I to lower wages, if there was a pressure to raise them, I think everyone would be much happier. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because magic customers are also employees. Like it works hand in hand really well. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been uh, somewhat depressing near the end, but exciting <laughs> for the most part. I really been, enjoyed it this. Has been. <laughs> Unfortunately, it always gets to the economy. It always gets to, like slightly depressing. But everyone should be very aware of where the economy is going. Like I, it's very important, especially as a business owner, and when you're getting into magic. Look at the economy. Look how much a box of magic is going to cost you and how much can you sell it for. And do you have a customer who can afford that? Yeah, you need all three. Exactly. Right. Okay, so we kind of touched on this a little bit before, but uh, what do you want to see for card advantage in the next two years? Where do you want to be, ideally? In the next two years, I want to be in a better spot than I am right now. Well, we, we obviously... Steve and I, we both took a, a large income hit when we did this merger. And uh, we understood that to grow this business, we have to make a big sacrifice. So we want to see ourselves in two years not sacrificing still. And in a place where, you know, comfort is a nice thing to be able to do things comfortably. Uh, to see this business in a place where a lot of people know about it. It's in a lot of households that play Magic. And for people to keep supporting us and keep being here with us and not turn into one of those stores that is well-known for not being good. Mm -hmm. Um, That's where I'd like to see this in two years. Great. Anything exciting coming up uh, in the next little while? Is there a Grand Prix that people can find yet? Uh, We put our bid in for Grand Prix Toronto. We're waiting to hear back to see if they say yay or nay. Um, I'm hoping they say yay and then you'll be seeing us there with our banners and all fun stuff that we're putting money into. <laughs> mm. And before that, we just have a couple of PTQs. We have the actual Card Advantage Community Cup in Mississauga on February 1st on a Sunday. And that it's a trios event. We love trios events. They're so fun. That should be a lot of fun. Cool. Great. And if uh, anyone who's listening wants to come visit your site or find you online, where do they, where do, they do that? So there's two sources, uh, cardadvantage.ca or cardadvantagecanada.com. Don't, cardadvantage.com is another business. We are cardadvantage.ca or cardadvantagecanada.com. And Twitter or Facebook? Oh, yeah. Sorry, my bad. Sorry. <laughs> Facebook, Card Advantage Canada. Twitter, Card Advantage Canada. Um, Instagram, Card Advantage Canada. You can literally find us on every piece of social media under Card Advantage Canada. Perfect. Well, thanks for coming on the show. I think this was a good conversation. I think you gave a lot of great pieces of advice, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, I hope to see you at uh, GP Toronto. Yeah, sounds good. Hopefully I'll see you there, too. Okay. Well, you have a good day. You, too. Take it easy. Later. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Peter. If you have a chance and you're going to be buying some cards online anytime soon, go take out take a look at uh, cardadvantage.ca. Consider them for your magic needs. And if you're looking for more info about game store entrepreneurship or the magic community, check out manaversesaga.com. It's home of the Manaverse podcast, which is what you're listening to right now. And this is where we talk about tips and tactics you can use to grow your local community and your business. 
From there, you can find out more about Metaverse.com, and you can sign up to get early access as a beta tester. We're currently looking for more game store owners and Magic players to help us work out the kinks and give us some honest feedback. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to the Metaverse Podcast on iTunes and leave a review. Sharing this episode is also a super-duper excellent, awesome, fantastic, bitchin' way to help the show, so please do that too. And every reviewer will get a shout-out on an upcoming episode. As always, thanks for listening.